Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. I am one of your oh. hosts, Miss Malmoy. <laughs> I am the other one, Mr. Krager. Hurting himself. Um, and this is long awaited. We've had some doozies between um, last episode and right now. <laughs> Lots of setbacks. It's fine. Um, but this is the long awaited part du, dois, dos. Dois. Of our Friday the 13th specials, as it is, in fact, a Friday the 13th in October. Yes! Ooh! Ooh! Um, so we are doing... Cue terror. Cue terror. <laughs> the body count continues, <gasps> as the tagline says. The t- um, but... Uh, in Even keeping, though it didn't. <laughs> it didn't, actually. It was exactly the same as part one. Um... So in keeping with that, as we did Friday the 13th, the first time around we had a Friday the 13th last year, we are doing Friday the 13th Part 2, which I feel like, you know, is nice because it's often just considered Friday the 13th, as people don't remember um, that the first one happened, or that Jason wasn't in the first one, really. No, he wasn't. So we actually get to see our, our good friend, kind of, good friend JJ, kind of. Um, J, J, JV, J, J, good old JV, good old J- uh, in this one for the first time. Not quite as you know him yet, but he's getting there. Um, yes. So well, this is like this is like this is JV, JV. This is JV, and then the next one he's like varsity JV. <laughs> he's varsity JV. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, but he's rocking and rolling. He is. He's he's making his way downtown. Um, so yeah, hopefully you have a Friday the 13th showing near you. Um, most local theaters, I think, did something or other. Mine did. I don't know what your life is. Um, I, yeah, well, I haven't looked. I'm sure some, there's, I'm there's, sure In DC, some. somewhere is showing. Yeah, absolutely. The um, the other thing that we talked about a few months ago is that, um, even though it's sold out, you know, instantaneously, camp, the actual camp, I forget what the real name of it is. Because it's really long. Yeah. We did it in a horror headline. Yeah. But the camp used in the first one. Nope. Nobi Ghost Go. Nobi Ghost. Nobi. Something. Nobi Shawana. Something like that in New Jersey. Uh, Sha la 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 la. Was where they filmed um, the first film. Um, as they have done with Friday the 13th in the past, they opened their doors um, to tours for Friday the 13th fans and you can see things like the archery range that is still pretty much intact as it was during filming and some other things obviously you can't see that because none of us got tickets um no. but yeah so that's a fun thing that's happening um it's actually the the camp is owned by the boy scouts so they i think they open it and proceeds go to whatever they go to the scouts. The scouts. And they're, what do they sell? Popcorn? They sell something not as good as cookies. Oh. Yeah, they do. You're right. I think it's popcorn. I think it's popcorn. It might be trailing. Like, anyway. You know. You know. Death popcorn today on this Friday the 13th. Death popcorn. Oh. But then they also sell, like, we, there's always, like, local troops around us selling Christmas trees in December. Yes. So, I, I guess, you know. Many. Rely on them for that. Friends in high school who sold Christmas trees as part of their Eagle Scout nonsense. And I was like, oh, if only I was buying one. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> um, they did shovel my driveway, though. 
because I lived in a neighborhood in high school that was not yet dedicated because it wasn't considered like 90% complete or whatever. So the roads were shit and they didn't get plowed by um, local county plows. So we had to rely on private plows. So like literally half the guys from my school. It did suck. And it sucked during that blizzard of Armageddon or whatever a couple years ago because I wasn't living there at that point, but um, it was pretty bad. But um, yeah, so all these guys from my high school would just roll up in pickup trucks and shovel out my driveway. Nice. So. That's hot. <laughs> For some. <laughs> For some. For me. It's nice. like the winter version of like mowing the lawn, I guess. Mm. It's Stacy's mom winter edition. Stacy's mom winter edition. So never. I mean, I had a. I, I want to know where this is going. I've never won. No, we had a very small school, and I was in part of a very small class. I was in Cub Scouts. I never made it to Boy Scouts. Mm. I was in Cub Scouts with like maybe five other boys from my grade. That was our little troop, mm-hmm. and I don't think. Two people might have like, gone off to Boy Scouts, but I, I, and then I think those two guys didn't even like become Eagle Scouts. So I don't think anybody from my high school finished. There was only two dudes, and they were brothers who became Eagle Scouts. <laughs> um, everyone else just kind of knows. That's so out. cute. Yeah, no. Listen, this family is like the golden family of like suburban America. It's, it's something, but yeah, the two of them became Eagle Scouts. Good for them. So, yeah, this is your brief history on our relationship with the Boy Scout of America. <laughs> this is the Boy Scout podcast. <laughs> and, and now we're done. And now we're done with that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, so I guess we're just going to blab about Friday the 13th Part 2. Um, there is some blab. There's, there's some blab. There's some stuff to blab about. There's some stuff to blab about. But before we blab about Friday the 13th Part 2, mm-hmm. it's time for horror headlines. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um, I only I have like two small things. Do so I'm going to do anything? both of them. <laughs> I was like, that's good. I think that's more than I have, which is fine. <laughs> I can't think because of any. They're like both we're talking about, but they're not both worth talking about like extensively. Anywho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first is that um, the lovely Julian Anderson has said that after the next season of The X-Files, she will no longer be playing Agent Dana Scully. <gasps> She's done. She's all done. Um, Have you seen that little book from Quirk Books, um, Earth Children Are Weird? No. It is an X-Files picture book. <gasps> I did it for story time. Oh my god, I need it immediately. It's little Mulder and Scully. Camping in <gasps> just their like back- having an adventure yeah they're camping in their backyard and um molly ke- or molly Mulder keeps thinking he sees aliens and scully's like you're full of shit but like in child language so it's the entire show in yeah, like yeah them pages. camping in their backyard <laughs> it's adorable that's amazing they do they did one too for et but that's like less fun because that's four kids have i spoken of my like strange aversion to et no, but that's something to discuss at a later date. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, so as fans of The X-Files know, the show uh, came back for a 10th season two years ago? Or maybe just a year ago? I can't uh, remember. I, can't. It was a, I think it was two years ago. It was like, 
it was really early in the calendar year, whenever it was. Mm -hmm. So it was either really early 2016 or it was 2015. Um, And it was a big hit. It was a six-episode season, and they're in production of an 11th season right now. And uh, I guess, you know, Julie Anderson has kind of put the kibosh on Mm. at least her character. Which I don't blame. It's 2017. Yeah, and you know, it's it was nice to have it come back and I'm sure season 11 will be fun, but I don't know that we need more than that. Yeah. And um and she she does a lot of other stuff, so she needs Yeah, time. no, she's out there. One she of the many that. space moms in life. She sure is. Um cool. I don't think oh, I heard anything. You know anything? Well, here, talk about this. Oh god. <laughs> a point of interest. Uh, evidently, this coming week's episode of American Horror Story Cult was supposed to open with a mass shooting scene. Oh. And shocker. they announced uh, yesterday or today that they're going to cut that scene. They're going to edit it out. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of con- like, like speculation after what happened in Las Vegas if they were going to air it or not. And um, they said they're not going to. Yeah. Nothing we need to deep dive into, but just a point of interest. That has happened in the past. Um, there was an episode of Buffy way back in the 90s about... It wasn't about a school shooting, but there was, like, what it ended up being was something different. But you go through the entire episode thinking it's going to end in a school shooting. And this was literally... Wasn't like, it right after Columbine? Yeah, well, they wrote it before Columbine happened. Columbine happened, and they ended up not airing the episode. Um, at all um, like they just cut the whole thing I think in the original run of the show and like aired it later in the summer or something for people who yeah were like what did I miss um, so yeah that's, that's unfortunate that's a whole other can of worms about the fact that we have to consistently do this um, other than that Flatliners yeah. was shit <laughs> I didn't see it but I know it was yeah it's not getting great reviews but I don't know that I personally necessarily thought that the Flatliners remake was going to do good anyway, no. so I'm not surprised. It looked like just Flatliners with better, like, It effects. just updated. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of like when they did Poltergeist. Yeah. And that turned out to be shit. As yeah. Yeah, we all it did. Know. Oh and if God. we don't know, we should know that. I had to work a showing of that movie. Oh my God, the remake is so bad. So I got to see it without paying for it, which was nice. I like I barely even remember any of it because it's so bad. <laughs> I think I saw it. I might have blacked out. <laughs> um Sick. Yeah, I think that's all I have. There wasn't really a lot of horror news. We don't have a paranormal activity this year. <laughs> oh my god, don't even joke about that. Um Yeah, I can't think of any big horror releases. Um Happy Death Day comes out on Friday. Oh my I'm excited god, for I that. I forgot about that. It's <laughs> such an eighties, like I can't film wait. concept. Oh my God. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe I'll see a double feature. Maybe I'll see that and then go to my showing of Friday the 13th that night. I am totally going to see Happy Death Day on Friday. I don't know if Mr. Eric is coming with me. He's like, there's only <laughs> like, so much I can handle. He's like very waffly about that. But I don't work on Friday, so I can go during the day I don't work on while Friday he's either. at work. And it's whatever. Although I have to get my car fixed on Friday. Oh, well. So... So that's happening. I know I should go see Blade Runner, and maybe I will make time for that this weekend as well. But. Yeah, it's worth. I definitely recommend people seeing it. Um, 
inform your own opinions. I have opinions that I will share when people see it. Yeah, I want to see it. I mean, I I like the original Blade Runner a lot. I'm not like... I won't die if I don't see the new one. Mm -hmm. But I want to see it, and I'm willing to make time to see it. No, it is visually, if nothing else, it is so gorgeous to look at the way, like, just... It's... It's worth that alone, just to have like well, which was like huge praise for the original, right? You know, like it's just amazing. Yeah, it's like that on another level. Like everything technical about this film is like perfect. It's just you know some of the you know substance in the writing. (laughs) Well, yeah, but you know, don't worry, it will be better than Mother. Mm, Chow, what is it? Mother, mother, mother. Um, I'm pretty sure my fourth grade writing project. The first time I ever had a writing project. <laughs> it's better than mother. I remember what I wrote too. It was a total knockoff of Lord of the Rings. But it was Lord of the Rings kind that of meets out. The Princess Bride. Because I had a frame story in fourth grade. I had this frame story where this, nice. kid, this kid who was, probably was me comes home from sure. school. Well, isn't everybody in fourth grade stories? Yeah. <laughs> comes home from school. Um, and goes up to their attic and opens the secret book that they have in their attic. And they get sucked into the book and into the story. Um, and then at which point it basically becomes the story is Lord of the Rings. <laughs> sure. So That was the first story Mel ever wrote. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Five stars. I'm just impressed. I actually am now looking back impressed that for fourth grade me was like a frame story. I got this. <laughs> um... So anyway, yes, that is our major digression on horror highline, hi, headlines. A little bit up because um, there isn't really a lot going on. So you've got your Rocky Horror showings, I'm sure, all month. Hocus Pocus, I'm sure, is shown five times. I need to watch it. I haven't watched it yet this um, October. Not yet because Freeform hasn't started their 13 Nights of Halloween. <sighs> Whatever. I've got it on Blu-ray. Oh, but there is, in relation to that... Oh, yes, there is a headline, headline, in fact. In that news, it's being remade. (gasps) No. Which, you know, was their only option, because at this point they could not conceivably do a sequel. No. um, With how old everyone is. (laughs) Even though I would prefer that. Yeah, no, it was, I was like, I will suspend my freaking disbelief. If you want to tell me that they're not all 20 years older, I will believe you. I will be willing to believe you. I'll take Um, it. In terms of the remake, I've been trying to think, who would I be willing to watch as the Sanderson sisters? One of them has to be Kate McKinnon. No one. (laughs) (laughs) Kate McKinnon, you know, you know what it's going to end up being? Uh, Um, Like Ghostbusters? Kate McKinnon is going to play Sarah. Mm-hmm. Melissa McCarthy is going to play Mary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Winifred. <sighs> That's a tough one. That is a tough one. I can't think of anyone currently who like Meryl Streep. <laughs> because it's one. <laughs> because it's one. You have the role of Winifred itself, and then two, you're also tr- you like you have to compete with Bette Midler. Yeah. Yeah, so there's no one really in contemporariness right now that I think. But the other two, I'm pretty sure I've got that down pat. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, so that'll be garbage and we'll all watch it. <laughs> we'll all fucking go to the theater and watch it. 
or wherever it's showing. I don't even know if they said theater. Maybe it'll be like a movie on ABC or something. Freeform. Oh my god. Freeform. We're trying to be all edgy now. Um. <laughs> Hocus Pocus is just supposed to be like one of those tried and true. Don't touch it. Just let it be. Just let it be. No like one tried Jaws. to remake Star Wars. No one's tried to remake Jaws. No one's remade The Exorcist. Asterisk. Asterisk. Major asterisk. Um. But like, just let it go. Let it Don't go. Touch it. That too. Um. Huh, yeah, Hocus Pocus. Yeah, I'm trying to see if there's anything. I don't think Okay, it will air on Disney Channel, so it's going to be super garbage. Ooh. One of those. One of us. One of us. Um, Scarlett oh, Lacey God. will be writing it. She wrote The oh. Royals, which was an e-television show about like a modern, edgy look at a British royal family. Yeah. So it's gonna be garbage. It sure is. Is what I'm telling you. Oh, well, we've got a booze and booze scheduled then. <laughs> yes, we do. Sometime in the future. I don't know. It Sometime doesn't even say when or wherefore. Um, oh, my God. All right. Well, that's fun. All right. Let's fucking talk about Jason Voorhees. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's do this. All right. Episode proper, Friday the 13th, part two. So proper. Um. <gasps> oh my god, I... What? just <laughs> happened? I remembered something you told me about a, um, a, an idea for an episode that we completely, that we said, oh, that would be good, and then completely sidestepped. <laughs> oh, is this is this a, is this a production thing? Is this a behind the <laughs> yes. scenes? Thing? Anyway, continue. I Write realized down it happened yet again. <laughs> it happened out loud, so like I couldn't. I had to follow up on my outburst. That was like okay. Can I do one more quick sidebar before? We... <laughs> anyway, sorry. You, were, you reminded me about that. Uh yeah, yeah. Yesterday morning, I was taking a quick shower before brunch and I'm, I'm just, I'm in the shower. I'm just chilling. I knew that Mr. Eric was awake, <laughs> but like I figured he was just sort of still just like laying in bed or like sitting on the couch or whatever. And I'm do do do. I'm sudsing up. I'm doing my little shower dance. And then I just he, like all of a sudden this booming voice in the bathroom is just like, so I was on Facebook and, and I swear to God, like I almost leaped out of the shower. I'm surprised I didn't slip and like break a hip. I just instantly was like, what the fuck? Did not get out of bed, did not hear him walk into the bathroom. Obviously did not see him because of the curtain. Almost lost my life. What happened on Facebook? I never found out because he just kept laughing and I was just like so horrified. Sudsy pearls just <laughs> So I never I almost died. It's a miracle that I'm here. Please be thankful. Oh, places to be startled. 
right? I was so vulnerable. <laughs> God, I understand. I see him Crane in. and Psycho now. I get it. I have a personal connection to that scene now. One day my boyfriend tried to tell me what was on Facebook while I was in the shower. and It, it was just... essentially the same thing. <laughs> Marion. Hilarious. Okay. Oh, anyway. All right. Friday so, the 13th part two. Okay, so I want to start with a brief um, uh, quote from an article from The Dissolve. You always have it. I know. I'm on the ball. This is written by Tasha Robinson. Tasha. And she, she wrote that the fundamental problem that consistently plagues horror sequels is the tension between horror's desire to drag its audience into unfamiliar territory and the sequel's need to retread the familiar. So I thought this would be a good place to just sort of start and frame our discussion of one of the most interesting horror sequels out there, mm. I think. Um, any thoughts? About that statement versus yeah, the, like show? That statement. Yeah. the show? Oh my God. Or sequels. Or... Yeah. yeah. So, so or... yeah. So it's interesting because there's, that's kind of a similar commentary that, scream gives on the idea of a horror sequel where it's like you've you've got a repetition of the story but you're fighting yourself like that is the competition to overcome and they have this whole bit where they talk about films that actually the sequel is considered to have surpassed the original like right terminator 2 um empire strikes back godfather part 2 godfather part 2 aliens yeah And all these films that are, like, you know, people consider the sequel to be the stronger film. Um, And it's interesting because there isn't a lot of horror films in there because horror is such a tricky genre. And with a sequel, it's like, on the one hand, you can play by film sequel rules. On the other hand, there seems to be horror film sequel rules, like, all their own. Um, Yeah. But it's always going to be yourself that you're fighting, and in the case of horror, you're going to be fighting the genre itself, right? Because with the sequel, mm-hmm. you want to do different. You want to break the horror mold, but at the same time, you have to adhere to certain to certain things. Yeah. Yes, that's a really good... I'm thinking of two different sort of things here from your commentary. Yes. Um, first, I'm thinking about uh, this this juxtaposition. What is horror supposed to do? What is sort of the nature of a sequel, right? Mm-hmm. Because in horror, like the whole point, right, is that we want to be um, filled with a sense of dread over something unfamiliar. But the point of a sequel is that we're it's supposed to provide something that the audience does want because we want to see it again. Mm-hmm. So in theory. Right. So how do you exploit atmosphere and create mood through the sense of the unknown over building on already established mythology or retreading past successes? Mm -hmm. I think that's that's a hard place to be in. And I think it's a reason why so many horror sequels fail and have such terrible reputations. Or in the case of something like Friday the 13th Part 2 or... Halloween, wait a minute. Halloween part two, because Halloween part three, Susan the Witch. 
I always, I always feel like that comes second for some reason. Um, <laughs> Halloween part two, where it's like the grand mythology of, of the stories that everyone considers to be part of, of the story didn't actually happen in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like if you look at a lot of sequels in general, that, that is also the case. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like, and this is brought up in Scream, right? The, the, the rule of the sequel or the nature of the sequel is that we expand on the mythology yeah. from the original. We reveal that something we once thought to be true is not. Yeah. Um, Godfather Part 2. The whole backstory with uh, Vito. Empire Strikes Back. I am your father. Um, Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, okay. I shit you not, I had a friend before The Force Awakens. I was showing her Star Wars because she was like, I need to watch them if I'm going to do this. And I was like, sure. Apparently did not know that Luke and Leia were siblings. and it like I call bullshit. No, she freaked out on me. Oh, my God. She lives in a rock. Anyway, apparently that was like, okay. So my drama teacher in high school always claimed that she had never seen the wizard of Oz. (laughs) She was like, like a 60 year old drama teacher. I was like, I refuse to accept this. But then she would always talk about how she had done, she had staged wizard of Oz at our high school twice. And she, she didn't know what munchkins were. So she made them look like Hershey kisses and won like best costumes at like our like our the local Pittsburgh like theater awards for high schoolers or whatever. Um, and I was like, I refuse, I refuse to accept the fact that even if somehow like as a drama intuitively teacher, like somehow you didn't see it, but that you would intuitively know sort of the general aesthetic of a Munchkin, you just kind of nailed it. I was like, bullshit. Yeah. Anywho, point I'm is full bars tonight. Yes. <laughs> So yes, uh, sequels in horror and in sequels in general ten- generally tend to reveal something that was either hinted at in the first one, not fully formed, what have you. Mm-hmm. Suddenly there's like a new element, right? Like the whole bit about Laurie Strode being Michael's sister does not pop up until the second Halloween film. Part two, yeah. She, Michael doesn't even have a name in the first one. He's just, well, he dies, I think. But he's just the shape. Right. Like, I think they name him as a patient, but he's just known as, like, the shape. Um, in, you, you know, Jason, as we know him, doesn't start really forming until the second and the third Friday the 13th. Um, yep. Uh, Freddy. Sort of the whole Freddy, idea yeah. in Freddy's Revenge that he can... That, come into the real world mm-hmm. that he needs a vessel that you can fight back against him sort of in these mystical ways. I mean, Nancy kind of does that right. in the first one, she, yeah. she figures out a way to do that, but it's not, it's not sort of this like established mythological backstory to Freddie. Yeah. Um, that, that we see in the, in the remaining nightmare films. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally true. And it's not that there can't be good horror sequels. I think like, I want to see that there can, I oh. just, I thought of another good example. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the Conjuring. The Conjuring is a perfect example. Is of a great perfect example of this. Yes. So we build the upon two. the Conjuring Two, which has no subtitle. Thank God. It's just the Conjuring Two. Um, it builds upon this idea. So we're told in the first film that Lorraine had this vision that messed her up for quite a while. She refused to talk, come out of her room for days, um, and Ed believes she hasn't been the same since. That what that vision was is the you know this one off scene where they just are like talking about their wives or something. Um, mm-hmm. 
becomes the entire basis of of her emotional journey in the second one and the emotional journey of Ed and Lorraine together as as a team and a couple and it works so well but yeah. it totally relies on this thing that there's a bit of information we were kind of told kind of as a backstory bit and it suddenly becomes super important in the second one yeah and it's done really well yeah it's 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 totally possible. That's a perfect example. Uh, we already mentioned Aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, Hellraiser 2 is a really strong sequel. Oh, Hellraiser. Uh, Dawn of the Dead. Bride of Frankenstein. It can happen. We have so many asides tonight, but I meant to tell you, there is an anthology dedicated to people writing stories in the um, universe of um, Night of the Living Dead. Mm. I we sell it. Yeah, we sell it. I saw it. So that's fascinating. No, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited that that exists. Yeah. And I'm going to look it up immediately after I this. Forget podcast. what it was called. It was called something of the Living Dead. Obviously. Sure. Checks out. Now. So. Anyway, this all sort of like sometimes this leads me to wonder, like. This comes up on a lot of horror message boards. Is it better that like would horror sequels be better served if they're they were just standalone films without weaving in any of these sort of complex backstories and um, then we sort of get like pretzeled continuity the more and mm. more sequels we're getting. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's better for the sequel to just if that would be a better course for sequels to take or not because i do sort of think that when we start to over mythologize we lose a lot oh yeah no one thing i hate is over mythologizing um i mean look at halloween and that, five and six halloween five and six scream three um mm-hmm. by the time uh, we get alien to three alien resurrection by the time we get to dream warriors like is it not just we're all here for the camp anyway <laughs> Gets, yeah, they've um, gotten. I mean, God with on. Um, then you have, you know, when you do Dream Master, and I mean, the nightmare films get. And crazy. Saw, too. Saw's entire bit and after Saw, saw too. Um, and Saw. Yeah, so over mythologizing is a huge killer. Um, and I think it's like this trap that endless sequels fall into because they don't know what to do, where to pull their substance from. So they just try to keep adding to the story to, to create an occasion for themselves. But sequels themselves, as in just one and two, like duologies or the second one, you know, mm-hmm. I think in a lot of times they do work because you have something like Halloween 2 where it's like, okay, like I love the version of this first one where it was just really scary because it was a random killing on a Halloween night. I love that idea. I also like this idea of, of going into this and setting up the mythology of the Myers family. Mm-hmm. Um, with Scream, I love it by itself. I also like the idea that they put in Scream 2 of, you know, Sid being like this kind of archetypical, um, horror film victim and trying to escape from that and, and like kind of just her eternal sort of struggle with, with that, um, in her life and that sort of thing and other things that are set up in sequels. Like, I like that stuff. Um, I think it's when you try to create an occasion for yourself, like Scream 3, like the later Halloween films, like the later Alien films, that you run into, you know, the cliches of, of over-mythologizing. Um, 
and thus boring everyone to tears. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent point. Yes. Now, all right. So let's let's cast our minds back to 1981 when part two was released. When we were not alive yet. We were not alive. Now, so keep keep in mind, lovely listeners, that at this time in 1981, the slasher was a, still a very, very new subgenre in horror. And the idea of a sequel to a slasher, particularly this slasher, like particularly Friday the 13th, was odd. Because I mean, it's really hard to imagine now, right, where we have sort of like this like preordained sequelization today. Like anything that's moderately successful gets a sequel, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That wasn't the case in in the late 70s and early 80s. Did it did it happen? Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Godfather Part 2, we mentioned Empire Strikes Back. Um some were successful, there were some that weren't. You had Jaws 2 had been out at this point. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you did you had you had franchises, Pink Panther, Planet of the Apes, James Bond, but there wasn't we weren't living in that time of automatic sequels yeah. to because the blockbuster films. was still creating itself because Jaws was yeah, considered very to new. have been the first. So everyone's like, what is this idea of a film that makes a crap ton of money? <laughs> and what do we do with that? Do yeah. we let it be? Do we capitalize on it? You know, yeah. are people at like, people are asking for more. Are they asking for more? Who knows? So that wasn't the world we were living in. I mean, in 1981, you did not have a sequel yet to alien. You didn't have a sequel yet to Halloween. You didn't have a sequel to Psycho, Texas Chainsaw. Um, you did have the sequel at this point to The Exorcist, but it did not do well. So <laughs> it was not a foregone conclusion in a lot of people's minds. So the Friday the 13th franchise was originally envisioned sort of in the way that the Halloween franchise was envisioned to be an anthology film series where each installment would cover a different story surrounding the Friday the 13th superstition. Mm -hmm. But the success of the original led production to be like, let's do part two, a continuing story. With the boy, Jason. With the boy, Jason. And it ended up to their, to, you know, they, the risk that they took ended up, uh, uh, paying off for them. Like Friday the 13th was, was a huge hit, right? Which was a big surprise yeah. for Paramount. It raked in a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but there still was no guarantee that people would want to come back for more. But also remember in the early 80s, seeing violence and gore depicted in visual media was not something you had access to in the mainstream world. So the titillation aspect and the appeal... And the appeal of just tits. <laughs> the appeal of tits. <laughs> That's a big thing in the horror world. Drew a lot of people in to Friday the 13th Part 2. And I, I, I know this is really hard for us to conceive of now because Jason is so automatically associated with the franchise. But remember, Jason wasn't really a blip on anybody's radar. He going was into- the 
kid yeah. in the lake with the right in theory right alice just something weird happened with alice so they also had the whodunit appeal mm-hmm. that the first one had even though there was no possible way you could figure out who did it in friday the 13th because mrs Voorhees doesn't show up until the very end yeah. but they also had that appeal going for them so and it's strange to think how could you not think it would be jason like but at the time it was very easy to to, miss. to not think yeah. that it was Jason. So let's, I don't know. Should we just sort of like walk through the movie? Yeah, I guess. Um, um, so let's see here. I got distracted because there's this thing in Toronto where they turn Casa Loma, the castle in the middle of fucking Toronto where they filmed X-Men. Um, into a massive horror experience that includes a shining themed um, haunt. <gasps> so, I'm missing on one that. side of the coin. That sounds amazing. On the second side of the coin, why aren't you paying attention to me? I know. Um, anyway, so walking through Friday the Thirteenth. So this is like it doesn't okay. pick up exactly right after. It's it's a little bit of time months, has passed. Three months later or something like that. Yeah, a little bit of time has passed. Alice is not long for this world. for all that she endured as our harrowing survivor um oh that was tough i thought you had backed yourself into a corner because you said harrowing so i was like well she can't say heroin now (laughs) what is she gonna what noun is she gonna attribute to alice our harrowing survivor um (laughs) is chilling in her in her abode um and okay, which can we take a moment this bitch has like a whole fucking house she does it's yeah yeah i don't know what she does if she works at all but she's got like some she was twitch. a counselor she's got some swish dicks um but basically she opens her fridge and she finds um jason's mom's head Okay, after she takes the shortest shower ever. After she does not get scared by a voice booming into the shower about Facebook. She did not, because she was only in there for five seconds. Um, she finds Mrs. Voorhees' head in her refrigerator. Um, and she gets an ice pick to the, to the skull. Um, uh. By an, uns- an off- not an unseen assailant, but a mysterious assailant. Um, who we obviously know is Jason, but, you know, put yourself in the shoes of someone watching this for the first time with no cultural knowledge. Yeah. And then we skip ahead. We skip ahead. We jump five years and the camp, uh, across the lake from Camp Crystal Lake is being opened by a man named Paul. And he's running a weekend to train the new teenage counselors. And among the counselors, we have Sandra and her boyfriend, Jeff. Uh, they arrive in town. Uh, we, we sort of follow them through town as, uh, um, as the fastest tow truck in the world picks them up. And not to be confused with the fastest shower in the world. Not to be confused. The theme of Friday the 13th Part 2 is just speed. Just everyone's constantly moving. Yeah. Sandra and Jeff. Uh, we also have Scott and Terry. Scott is a bit of a bad boy prankster, and Terry's sort of, well, you know, she's walking around. She's a lesbian. <laughs> just hanging out. Listen, I have questions about Terry, but whatever. 
We have Mark, who's in a wheelchair. We have um, sweet-natured Vicky. We ha- and then we have um, Ginny and Ted, who are Paul's uh, assistants. Uh, Ginny ends up becoming, played by the great Amy Steele, ends up mm-hmm. becoming our final girl. Dun, dun, and so dun. they're all hanging out at night, you know, the first night at the campfire. And Paul tells them the, the legend of Jason and everything, you know, the murders that happened at the camp at uh, Crystal Lake five years ago. And, you know, they get scared and everybody's like, hey, did it. And Paul's like, do not go uh, over to, to Camp Crystal Lake. It's off limits. Because he's tr- he's trying to work with the local police and not cause a stir, but he knows that you know curious teenagers will be curious teenagers. <laughs> yes. But then our killings start happening, and then the death. Yes, including our harbinger of doom, Crazy Ralph. <laughs> Crazy Ralph, who you will of course all remember from. <laughs> The first Friday the 13th returns in this one. Which I'm like, you've done nothing in the past five years to, like, alleviate this. You haven't taken what you've known. You've continued being Crazy Ralph. That's the thing, right? And especially as this franchise goes on, like, we definitely get the sense that the people that live in Crystal Lake, they know Jason is living in the woods, and they just kind of let it happen. And I'm like, why? Why? For why? Yeah. And then all they ever do is just these like vague spooky warnings every couple of years when teenagers show up. Not like there's a murderer in the in the woods. Right? It's like, like oh, oh if I were you I were you are all like, what sort of sadistic like nonsense is that? <laughs> yeah. Well and yeah, I mean Crazy Ralph gets kind of pervy in this one because right before he gets killed, we see him like perving on Pervin. uh Ginny and Paul when they're making out. You know. Um, yes. So then Crazy Ralph, dead. He's already warned them, but he can warn no longer. Yeah. Well, he wasn't very good at it, so. He sure wasn't. He sure it wasn't. really wasn't a loss. <laughs> at- oh, no. let's, take, let's take a minute to talk about Amy Steele as Ginny. Amy Steele. Mm-hmm. Girl. Amy Steele is, um... So, uh, somewhat of a lesser known scream queen. I don't know if we ever. We did not discuss her. We did not really. We didn't mention her. No. Her horror credits, probably because her horror resume isn't as extensive. She's obviously the lead here. That's sort of how she sprang to a lot of attention. She was also in um, the slasher film April Fool's Day, mm-hmm. which is an interesting movie. Uh, she's also in the Whatever Happened to Baby Jane remake uh, with the Redgrave sisters. And a lot of people at the time, um, or shortly after the time, knew her because she became very popular on a uh, um, sci-fi television series called uh, The Powers of Matthew Starr, uh, which I've seen clips of on YouTube and is, uh, you know, interesting. So Amy Steele plays our protagonist here, and... She's very much an atypical final girl. And I think that's a big reason why Ginny has stuck in the minds of a lot of fans of the Friday the 13th series is because she breaks those slasher rules and she breaks those final girl rules. Which actually, this movie breaks a lot of those rules. Just like the first one did. 
because Alice smokes pot in the first Friday the 13th. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like when people bring up the sort of the rules, right? You can't smoke pot, you can't drink, you can't mm. have sex, yada, yada. And they bring up... Ginny sex? Well, it's interesting because they do bring up Friday the 13th as one of like, oh, it happened in all these movies. And it's like, well, n- not necessarily. Um, you have yeah, this no. sort of impact. Like the early, the sort of early... Um, final girls like did have a lot of like empowerment like i feel like it's only retroactively we've looked at it with that lens of being like oh if you're the virgin who because it's like okay laurie strode that's kind of her thing right like her friends make fun of her that she's kind of this goody two-shoes babysitter they're all having sex they get killed she really is just doing her job right like i feel like that if nothing else is kind of where it stems from and people just sort of applied that lens to other horror heroines where it really didn't apply yeah um not yeah. to say the entire thing is a lie but <laughs> no but i agree i feel like uh um that sort of stereotype and that rule I feel like came out of all the slashers that filled the eighties after Mm -hmm. this moment. Right. Yeah. Where they really were doing a Laurie Strode model of these final girls. But in the beginning, you know, Alice and Ginny and Nancy to an extent that they're all outside of that mold a little bit. You know, Ginny still is the one person who sort of gives credence to the fact that Jason might be real. Yeah. Which is usually a final girl trait as well. But. It's like, I have this inkling. Yeah. You're all being stupid. But yeah, she's awesome and she's kick ass and she's sort of, you know, very empowering. And um, she was a good uh, replacement to get down to the bare bones of it for Alice. Um, now Adrian King, there's varying stories as to why Alice sort of didn't become anything, the figure of Friday the 13th in the way that Laurie Strode was, or at least why she wasn't in the, the super protagonist of the second one. Um, there's a story that her agent wanted more money for her and the studio couldn't afford it. There are also stories that after Friday the 13th, Adrian King had a stalker like a very, very obsessed fan. And she requested that her role in Friday the 13th part two be as small as possible. Mm-hmm. So, Interesting. and it could, it could have been both of those things, but that's why Friday the 13th more so than the other two. Well, definitely more so than the other two of the big three slashers. We don't have a continuing final girl throughout the series. Yeah, you might as well film turn film. it into a thing if that's going to be what happens. Um, but Ginny's one of my favorites. She's awesome. Yeah, no, she's very good. Um, where were we? Pick. I don't know where we were. Um, so death to Crazy Ralph. He gets. Oh right, death to Crazy Ralph. He gets okay. choked.ed um, Yes. So then it's daytime again. Um, mm-hmm. Jeff and Sandra um, find a body. Um, yes. they, they, yeah, they find a body, or do they go? What do they do? They they sneak, they go to Camp Crystal Lake and they find a body. Yes. And they find. Um, yeah. I had to think like what came first, um, and then they get caught by the, the sheriff. Yeah, the body or the camp. The body or the camp. The the sheriff and the police find them, and they're like. This is not part of the plan. We had an agreement. Um, (laughs) And then they head back to their other camp. 
um, across the way. And later, um, we see Jason for the first time as he appears in this film, which is wearing a burlap sack over his head, as opposed to the hockey mask that everyone knows. Yes. Um, they have kind of a chase with him. Um, and it ends up with, like, the sheriff getting, like, slaughtered by Jason in, like, this little cabin thing in the woods. Cabin in the woods. Cabin um, so this is the first look that we get, a real look that we get at Jason for the first time. Um, not quite. He's evolving. He's not quite Jason as you know him, but yeah, he's getting there. Um, yeah, he's got the whole sort of um, Phantom Killer, Town the Dreaded Sundown yes, look. Yes, he literally off. looks exactly like <laughs> the Phantom Killer from the Town the Dreaded Sundown, which they were clearly going for. Um, yeah. Yes. So then, um, like, camp itself is going to begin or something. Um, so it's like their last night to, like, you know, be debaucherous teens and that sort of thing. <laughs> Um, but nobody really, like, goes for it except for Jenny and Ted. Um, Jeff and Sandra are, like, in timeout for sneaking to Camp Crystal Lake um, while the others go to the, a bar in town, um, you know, in preparation for the kids. Right. Um, they talk about Jason a little bit um, and his mom while they're drinking because who doesn't? Um, yeah, you know, and they talk about like they talk about him like philosophically and as an urban legend and like yada yada. Um, and then Jason shows up, I believe. He yes, to kill the yes. He starts to because he is back at the camp. Yeah, he starts to kill the people who got left behind. Right, which is ironic. All which is like considered. everybody because nobody went drinking. Nobody went drinking, which is ironic, all things considered. Because you think the kid who got left behind in these things would be the one who's like, "Oh, all my friends are getting murdered because they're being drinking teens at the bar." But no. it, right. But what's interesting? Well, okay, we'll talk about this at the ending, right? Yes. So, so yeah. So Jason is there. He stays behind at the camp, right? And he st- starts his rampage. First, we have. Um, He's in a rage. Douchebag Scott, who he spies on Terry when she goes skinny dipping in the middle of the night, as you do. You know, casual, solitary skinny dipping. I do not go swimming in in natural watering holes to begin with. I would not do it naked. No. And at night. And at night. And alone. And alone. (laughs) But, But that's what Terry does. And so they have this little banter, and he gets caught in this bear trap. And Terry goes to get a knife to cut him down. But when she comes back, oh, no, Scott's throat has been cut. And then she she turns around and she screams and and she's killed. But we don't. Okay, so I want want to know how Terry actually dies in this movie because we don't see it. And then when we see her body in the shack at the end, she's just sort of there. And I'm like, did, did her heart just give out? Like, she she lost the will to live. Yeah, I don't know. Which, speaking of which, not to scream, but they released a trailer or a released a poster. A I was going to be like, they released a trailer. They released a new poster. Oh. Ooh, Greg and I are, are doing this podcast while casually watching the internet for the Star Wars trailer. So if we, we start short- screaming, we short fucking on. That's why, and they have released a poster in the midst of this. So I love the that. whole red campaign they're sort of doing. Yeah, with marketing. Yeah, yeah, no, they're bringing him into it. Oh, look, C-3PO and R2 got on the poster. Good for them. Anyway, um, 
Frick me. Um, so skinny yeah. dipping. Skinny dipping, uh, Scott and Terry are uh, killed. Cool. Yes, Terry. Oh, Terry. I have so many questions about Terry. How did she die? <laughs> yes, that's what we were discussing. She she lost the what? will to live or something. She lost the will to live. She She's looking for her dog, Muffin, at, like when we first meet her and then gives up because it's time for lunch. <laughs> Same, but also I would yeah. never abandon my animal. But also she's just like, has anyone seen Muffin? I'm like, honey, we've all seen your Muffin in those shorts. And... <laughs> yeah. And I just, you know, all right, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Well, and she's being like sexually harassed by Scott through until like they both die. And she's just like, oh, Scott. And I'm like, oh my God, I forgot that the 80s just. That the 80s happened. Gave a pass to all of this. So she's dead. He's dead. Mark and uh, Vicky are bonding and, um, flirting but then mark gets killed with a machete to the face and his wheelchair falls down on the stairs and jeff and sandra start fucking but then they get impaled with a spear (laughs) (laughs) we know sandra definitely was yes um you know all the casual spears just lying around it's a camp i don't know i never did sleep we've discussed how you've done sleep away camp and i have not I did camp for four years and never once saw a spear. But I guess I just didn't go to up So this movie camp. lied to me then. Um, so the three of them are dead. Then Vicky, uh, when she comes back looking for Mark, because there's this whole extended sequence of Vicky where she's like running around in her panties. Her, she puts on her sexy panties because she's going to get it all. Fucking cute. And then she gets cute. She gets stabbed. And... At this point, Ginny and Paul decide to leave the bar and come back. They're to that camp. gif from Community where he walks in with the pizza boxes and everything's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh my god. Yeah. So. So Wait, then, what? Jason, so yeah, they come okay. back and they're like, holy shit. Um,. Jason basically has this chase bit with Ginny um, where they go back Which to... includes the famous crash yeah. through the window Yes, scene. yes. Um, that precursors um, this nonsense. Um, they end up back at his little cabin in the woods. Um, or she does, anyway. And um, she, like, ends up walking into it. And, like, the smart horror girl she is decides to go inside the place with one entrance and one exit and barricade herself inside. Um, and she finds, like, this Norman Bates-level, like, nonsense. Where he's, like, <laughs> created this, like, weird fucking head shrine to his mom. And he's, like, brought bits of his victims to, like, place at the shrine. Um as like god knows what um and she tries to like reason then with jason like by way of of his weird obsession with his mother um well we know that she studies child psychology yes so she tries to like brought up get on this this thing where jason clearly clearly has some unresolved issues or unresolved feelings about his mother she tries to to um play to that it doesn't really work um, he ends up 
like attacking her again, but then Paul Deus Ex Machina's it, but also he gets like fucking killed with um one of these things, a pickaxe. A pickaxe. <laughs> I was doing the motion of yeah. pickaxing. Um, and then Ginny attacks Jason, and she thinks she kills. She thinks she kills him. Um, oh no! Wait, no. Paul doesn't die. He doesn't die, but she thinks he dies. He yes, okay. He she thinks he dies. They eventually so she machetes Jason in the shoulder, like and also him. thinks Jason dies, and also <laughs> thinks Jason dies. Huge mistake. Um, they take off. Um, the, like there's this bit where they where like it's kind of eerie. Jason might be following them. They find the dog. <laughs> oh my god! Can we just talk about the scene? <laughs> Where they're back in that cabin, and it's like this whole extended thing where they're like they hear the noise and they're like, "Oh my god, it's fucking Jason!" And then it's the dog. It's, it's muffin. Like, it's okay. It's actually like awesome manipulation of emotions, right? And like expectations. <laughs> but like, I always, I always, without fail, every time I watch part two, I'm like. Oh my god, it's fucking Muffin. I'm like, why don't I remember that Muffin? I remember is? that it's the fucking dog. Um, um, who what Muffin defies the the dad rule. The dog always dies rule. Yeah, Muffin makes it. Yeah. Maybe because Muffin appears in like one scene. <laughs> um, Jason appears though, as he is wont to do. Um, yes. And he goes for Ginny, and then it gets kind of weird. Yeah, he goes for Ginny, and then we sort of, like, white out, right? So all throughout Friday the 13th Part 2, there's these, like, strange, like, white out moments, which usually comes at the end of kills, and we'll freeze frame on the victim, and then we white out. So when Jason does the the sort of, the classic, like, oh, the killer's not really dead, and he attacks one more time, and we we don't see the result of that attack. But we do see in the final moments the aftermath of the morning after. Ginny is alive and she's being loaded into an ambulance she calls out for paul but he's nowhere to be seen whether alive or dead his fate we don't know our very final shot we're back in the shack at the altar it remains undiscovered by the authorities jason is nowhere in the shack so we don't know his fate or his whereabouts either and then the film ends Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. It's weird, right? It's weird. It's, weird. <laughs> it's a very weird ending. There's a lot that's weird it about this ending. It almost feels like a cheat, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Go right. Well, like. Tell me everything. Well, my deal is, is like, so you've got, so like what you were saying with the manipulation of emotions and the fucking dog, right? Yeah. So like they gear you up to have this, you never get that like release of tension, right? Like you kind of like the dog like mixes you up. You're like, oh my God, like I can't handle this. Jason does appear. You're like, oh my fucking God, I can't handle this. And then right when you're about to have that catharsis of either Ginny dying or Jason dying, it's like you don't, suddenly we're, we're, we're a day later in the future. You know, it's like whether yeah. Ginny was, you know, turned out to be all right or not is fine. It's just you don't really get to see that. Like, you don't get that moment of release for all the tension you've had throughout the film. Yeah. It's almost like to have kept, like, the proper, like, emotional climax with, like, 
the chase scene and the, the cabin, like where Jenny puts on the sweater and tries to like mentally confuse Jason. Like if that were to be the climax, they should have ended the scene, the end of the movie, the moment Jason like jumps through the window. Right. Like almost sort of like that classic, like end it with, end it with a jump scare, end it with yeah. one final scare. But I feel like tacking one on that final, final scene. Scare. Yep. <laughs> Hacking on the final scene where we see her being loaded into the ambulance and there's all this ambiguity, that makes it not work. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, because it's like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, like, why didn't we see the? Why didn't we see the true final fight? Yeah. So that part's a little bit has always been a little bit frustrating for me, because um, that's it too, right? Like the point of horror and terror is that you're meant to build up tension. You're meant to build up tension until you get to this point where you've got this entire, like, you know, you have it in um, in Scream when she shoot, when she finally gets free and she shoots Billy and then she shoots him again. But mm-hmm. she, like, totally, like, fucking, you get to see, you know, her killing Billy, killing Stu, killing the people who are Ghostface. Um, yeah. You, I'm trying to think like immediately off the top of my head, and suddenly I'm like, "What are slashers?" Um, <laughs> I don't understand. Like every time, even when Michael Myers fake dies, you at least get to see it. Like you get to you get to see the knife going in. You get to see, um, you know, him getting hit by the ambulance or whatever the in hell the, in a fire. Yeah, whatever the hell happens at the end of H2O and that sort of thing. Like you get these moments where it's like. You know, you get that catharsis of saying yes. Like, even though I know in my heart that he's going to be back for the next one, like, I'm seeing it now, and it's like, in the context of this story, it is finished. Like, in this, like, yeah, we see Ginny. Um, we don't know where Paul is. Um, no. We don't know where Jason is. And we don't know where Muffin is again. And we don't know where Muffin is. Again, we just God got Muffin sake. back. <laughs> so there's, like, all this, like, unresolved tension in the film. Um, in addition, like, it's, it's not just, like, okay, plot ambiguity. It's, like, literally, like, the entire ride that you've had the audience on for, like, 90 minutes now is led to, like, nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah I agree a, a lot more now that you sort of... Followed it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't that I was like, fuck you, I don't believe you. I just... I guess I had never thought about that. Yeah, that's just my thing. Like, I'm all about that catharsis life. Yeah. Well, and also I feel like I so frequently forget that the real ending of Friday the 13th Part 2 is the morning after. And that so much is left in suspension. Because when I think about this movie, two big things come to mind. The the window scene where he crashes through the window, which people have written about and why it's like one of the most effective scares Mm -hmm. in horror. And um, the near-ending scene in the shack where she puts on Mrs. Voorhees' sweater and she tries the, the psychological approach to defeating him, right? She pretends to be Mrs. Voorhees. And I forget that, like, oh, that's not where we end. We mm-hmm. end several scenes later, like probably 15 minutes after that. Yeah. And um, emotionally very removed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So I agree. Yeah. I agree but i also don't think that part two is a bad movie no i don't just like i mean like the ending is what it is like that's just the way it goes but it's like no like 
it really set the like yes like the whodunit and sort of the slasherness of the first one did obviously set up a lot of stuff but this is the one that from I feel like kind of really set up the um the formula that like we end up using from here on out for these movies um it's interesting though because looking back it's like you said like the tropes of who lives and who dies in a horror film aren't exactly what we know them as today like looking at it at it retrospectively saying people can't have sex people can't drink when it's literally everyone who didn't go to the bar were the ones who got killed um yeah that's that's is it, yeah that is not that interesting yeah because according to the rules they should be first yeah and it, it's like and wow it wasn't what happened yeah and then that everybody who stayed behind, they weren't really breaking the rules. No. I mean, Jeff and Sandra have sex, which is against the rules. But and Scott is a perv. Yes, but again, but and it's interesting that it's... None of them are drinking. It's literally the none of them are drinking, none of them are at the bar, and they're the ones who get cornered and hunted down. Um, which is interesting because it's like... You know, it's like very much, I think everyone just sort of hyper-focused on that element in Halloween and started retroactively applying it to other slasher films. Um, and some it does apply. Um, obviously yeah. Scream totally plays on that trope on purpose. Um, but it wasn't really a thing in this movie. Yeah. Which is very, very interesting. The, another thing I have picked up on, in more recent viewings of this movie in terms of tropes and avoiding them. Um, thinking about survivors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, obviously Jenny survives. She is the final girl. Paul's fate is left ambiguous, but uh, Ted survives. Ted does not come back from the bar yeah. that night. So he survives. <laughs> Ted got a prostitute. and <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's a second survivor. Additionally, during the... Like the meeting scenes and the dinner scenes of the camp, there are a bunch of other counselors who don't get fleshed out as characters. Um, and they all, we don't see them after dinner. Like after everybody breaks up, some, like the, the three of them go to the town, the other people stay. We don't, we never see them again. Mm-hmm. But like, so in theory, they survive. Yeah. And it's, there's a black guy, an Asian girl, and a Hispanic guy. Yeah. They all live. None of them have lines, which I guess is the trade off. But yeah. they all live, in th- you know, in theory. Um, so, you know, the whole, oh, the minorities always die first. The black guy always dies first. I was like, well, not this black guy. <laughs> it's like... Um, of course, the, he didn't get to talk, but... <laughs> in the remake of um, House on Haunted Hill, at the end, when Tay Diggs is like, I'm adopted! And he and he's one of two people who live. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah. So. Yes. I guess the point we were moving towards, I guess, to summarize, was that it bucks a lot of stereotypes that maybe we actually think. Or maybe that a lot of people actually think. Yeah. Like, again, you know, it's like people at the time, you know, it's like we've, we've gone back now with a retrospective lens and, um, looked at it in this way but it's like if you strip that away and just watch it that's not the case mm-hmm. um and in, in fact it, it it fights against it because again it's like everyone who didn't go to the bar ends up dead <laughs> yeah ends up dead. 
So, so let's talk about this. So remember before how we were sort of discussing the, the appeal of the whodunit, right? Yes. And that there's actually a lot of problems with the first film, you know, as a, as a whodunit slasher, because it doesn't really give you a real chance to know that it's Mrs. Voorhees. Uh-huh. Well, in this one, it's trying to mimic the whodunit formula once again, without revealing the killer until the extended chase scene. But it also doesn't commit to the idea that anyone other than Jason Voorhees could possibly be the villain. So it's either, once again, a mystery murder or the known stalker slasher. And I'm like, does this, does it work? Does it not quite work? To me, it feels like it doesn't quite work. And they should have just... I didn't even let honestly, us know that it was Jason. I didn't even honestly think it worked the first time, like you said, because it's like there was no way we could have guessed who it was. It's mm-hmm. not like a who done it again. I keep bringing up Scream, but it's like in Scream they very much purposely take different points to say maybe it's this person, maybe it's this person, maybe it's this person, and you do have a very real chance to figure out who the killer is. Um, in that movie, based on what you see, in the first one, there's really no way you could know it's Mrs. Voorhees. In the second one, there's nothing to suggest to you at the start of the film that it should be Jason. Because um, up, up right. until this point, we've only known him as, you know, that thing at the end. Um, so it's, like, interesting that they focus on the whodunit because, again, there's really no way for you to be able to guess it. And of course, and that you just saying, the fun of a whodunit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And of course, you saying that brings up another interesting little problem that begins so much earlier in this franchise than we might realize. So Jason is our now fully grown killer, right? Mm-hmm. Implying that he's sort of been living in the woods all this time. But if Jason didn't die, if he didn't drown, then why was Mrs. Voorhees avenging his death? Yeah. The implication now from part two, establishing Jason as the killer, is that she must have not known about his existence. And if she didn't know, does Definitely. that mean Jason was just watching her from afar, watching the camp? That like he he know he knew that she was his mother because he's so devoted to her that her death causes him to to go on this rampage and keep people away from the camp and. And so then it's like, well, if they had no relationship, how does Ginny use that to manipulate him? It's, Mm -hmm. it gets very, very complicated. Although it's like the logistics of how to survive in the woods alone. It, it, it it brings up a lot more questions than it does not answer. (laughs) Friday the 13th, as the franchise goes on and as our podcast will go on and we will see <laughs> as we go we eventually get to our 10th year god can you imagine become we so are respectively twisted. 35 and 37 <laughs> we haven't looked i don't know when the next friday the 13th is god knows when we'll be doing part three um i think there might be a second one this year actually Let me in 2017 yeah oh my possibly. god possibly or very early next year very early next year. Oh, uh, yeah. The next one is April 2018. So oh, April. Not, that's still not that far away. So, yeah, no. And that's when we'll be doing part three. Yeah. Um, when we but, really yeah, so things. even now here in part two, we start getting the beginnings of what will 
come to be a very convoluted storyline that is eventually just disregarded from film to film and writer to writer so that they can do whatever they want to do. Yeah. But, um, Hey, for a low budget sequel, you know, like, like this, I think the point is that you shouldn't go into it asking for the moon because you're not going to get it. Yeah. And if you approach it in that way, it's still, you'll find that it still delivers on a fair amount of other fronts. And, uh, Plus, it's the real birth of our villain, Jason Voorhees, that we all know and love. It's the first time we get to see him, not quite as you know him, but more than a little uh, dude at the end of... um, At the end of the the first yeah. Stop tweeting. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Star Wars is happening. Right here. There's a bitch right here. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I mean, I think we've talked. Yeah, we've got a good, we've got a good chunk here. Um, we sure do. We've got a lot of asides, but we've got a good substance chunk too. <laughs> I know. You know. My final aside that I want to put out there is that, so, uh, Tom McBride, who played Mark, Mark in the wheelchair in this movie, mm-hmm. was an Mark openly, in Mark in the wheelchair, was an openly gay actor at the time. Ooh. Yeah. Good for him. He, yes. He did not have, because of that, he did not have a huge film or television career. Mm. Uh, but he, he was a model. He was a photographer. He was actually one of the Marlboro men in the, in, in the, throughout oh, the 80s. Oh, good for him. Yep. And um, he died of AIDS uh, in 1995. And the last sort of moments of his life were documented in a film called Life and Death on the A-List. That is uh, supposedly uh, very powerful and very um, influential in terms of AIDS awareness and LGBT representation. Uh, it was it was pretty unusual to be young, out, open at the time. Um, but it's a really hard documentary to find. So if any of you oh. people listening out there know how to find it, so I would have it. I would love to see it. And if you could tell me how, I would appreciate that. That would be epic. And we can tell you how you can tell us. Yes. With the following. So, best way to tell us would be email at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. You can also tell us via Twitter, splatterchatter666, minus all the vowels. If that is too difficult for you, you can just search splatterchatter. We will pop right up. Um, you can also uh, tell us via Tumblr, Tumblr, um, splatterchatter.tumblr.com, via instant message on Instagram at splatterchatter666 on Instagram. You can leave a comment on Craig's blog at splatterchatter66.blogspot.com. Um, and I think that is all of them. Yes, we also have messages on SoundCloud, but um, you can... Oh, okay. Yeah. But yes, no messages really. on SoundCloud where you can listen to us. You can also listen to us on iTunes where we would love it if you would rate and review us over yes. there. Awesome. Um, ratings and reviews on iTunes is how we can uh, move up in the charts and make ourselves a bit more visible. So we would really appreciate that. Because we think we're good at what we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> we think we're okay. Um, um, okay enough that you should do that. Enough that you should do that. 
uh, be on the lookout for our awesome rebranding stuff that um, yes, is it a is little coming, I swear. Still on the way. <laughs> still on the way. We promise. We promise. We promise. We promise. It is still on the way. Um, we've got more content coming your way in October. The blog is up and running. I am trying to fire off my 31 by 31 challenge oh, movie right. reviews. You said I have challenge. got a good couple in the bank. I'm going to start throwing those at you guys. I've got a couple up there right now. I've been watching some really interesting stuff right now. Specifically, I want to plug, um, the boys in the trees. Hmm. It's an Australian horror, horror film. Um, it was released last year. It's on Netflix. If you're jonesing for stranger things and you need to push the end of the month, watch boys in the trees. Um, it's surprisingly emotional and uh, really fun, really great for Halloween. Miss Mel, I'm going to make you watch it. Cool. Yeah. Either with me or you can watch it before Halloween, but you have to watch it. Okay. Um, yes. So all those reviews are coming. Our Patreon is coming. Our newsletter. Our next episode is going to be the first Splatter Chatter Book Club. I think. Yes, I think we're going to do that. Yeah. Okay, and I think cool. it's going to be Final Girls. Final Girls by Final Riley Saker. Um, we mentioned that a little bit. So if you haven't yet read it and you want to read it to uh, prep, better follow along. Yeah, better prep for the discussion. You've got some time. It's pretty short. And it's very fast. Yeah, read. it's a very fast read. So those are all things to be keeping an eye out for. Hopefully you guys are having a really fun, spooky October season. Mm. Um, I know Pumpkin I things. am. And um, I think that's it for now, right? Yeah, that's all I got. So we'll be back soon to discuss Final Girls. And until then, guys, be sure to keep up the creep. Mm -hmm. And for now, we will say au revoir, adios, and das verdammt.